Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast for reducing the divorce rate. One marriage at a time is the goal, and following my six marriage steps is a path to help get us there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. This show is for your marriage, so call 303-596-6836 with your questions for me or suggestions on what topics I should cover. That's 303-596-6836. Today, I'm going to talk about six ways to handle complaints in marriage. If you've been married for any length of time, you realize that complaints are a part of the fabric of matrimony. If you put two imperfect people together in close proximity, before long, sparks are going to fly. Complaints are going to be exchanged. The most powerful complaints usually occur when some of your top needs are not being met, and then a complaint follows. So how to navigate complaints, both how to give them and what to do when you're receiving a complaint is very important because there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And most couples do it the wrong way. So today's episode is all about training you on how to do it the right way. So the first thing we're going to look at is three steps or three tips on what to do if you're the receiver of the complaint. So let's imagine your partner comes up to you and they make a complaint. They say something you've been doing wrong, something you're doing that's hurting their feelings, uh, something that they're feeling, they're feeling disconnected, they're feeling lonely, they're feeling hurt, fill in the blank. They're feeling something negative because of you. So what do you do? First thing you do is seek to understand. If you're not clear on what they're talking about or what they're describing or the terms that they're using, or their experience of what they're explaining, if you're not clear, seek to understand by asking questions. Try to understand what they're saying. Try to understand where they're coming from. Try to understand the language they're using, what they mean by the words they're describing. Ask questions. Ask as many as you need so that you can understand what they're describing, what their experience is. So that's tip number one, seek to understand. A lot of times when a partner can make a complaint, the other partner doesn't quite know what they're talking about. It doesn't compute. It doesn't quite make sense. So step one is seek to understand, and that shows that you care. So don't get defensive. Don't counterattack. Don't be dismissive but seek to understand. That's tip, that's tip number one. Step two is empathize with what they're describing. Empathize with their feelings that they're describing. The top two empathy statements that I encourage couples to use all the time is I can see how you would feel, and then you repeat back their tender underbelly and why, or that makes sense that you feel, and you repeat back their tender underbelly and why. Those two phrases are the most effective ways to empathize back because if you say those phrases, it's going to help your partner feel understood. It's going to help them feel validated. It's going to help them feel like you have their back and that you care. One of the fastest ways to calm down your partner if they're upset is to empathize with what they're experiencing. So for example, say your wife really desires more emotional closeness and she's brought this up to you, but you haven't done anything about it. And she's just, now she's making a complaint, how you don't care, you're not making her feel important because you're not honoring this need of hers to feel emotionally connected. So instead of getting defensive 
Number one, you seek to understand. Number two, you try to empathize by saying something like, I can see how you'd be feeling really lonely and hurt that we haven't been having much time together to cultivate emotional closeness. Or that makes sense that you're feeling really lonely because we have not been together enough lately to cultivate or to nurture emotional connection. I can see how you'd be feeling like that. Those are empathy statements. That's going to validate your partner, make her feel understood, but like you get it, and that it makes sense what she's feeling. Now, the challenge comes in when, when, they're, when what they're describing doesn't make sense to you or you can't see where they're coming from. That happens the majority of the time because if the roles were reversed, you probably wouldn't feel the same way because it's not your need and you're different people. And that's where people get tripped up with empathy. They think, I only can empathize if I agree with my partner's assessment of what just happened. If I don't agree with how they're experiencing the situation, I can't empathize. That's not empathy. You need to rethink what empathy is. Empathy, in contrast, is kicking off your shoes and going over and putting on your partner's shoes. And when you put on their shoes, imagine going back into their home growing up. How was love experienced in that home? Or how was it not experienced? How was conflict handled or not handled? How was quality time together managed or not managed? What were the wounds and their upbringing they experienced? Beyond that, think about them as an adult. What's their temperament? What are their values? What are their top needs? What are their insecurities? You want to be mindful of all that information because that is going to allow you to empathize. Because when you start becoming mindful of your partner's inner world, like I just described, then it will start making sense why what they're describing is making them feel the way that it is. Why their complaint is hitting them the way that it is. It will start to make sense. It doesn't mean that you would feel the same thing because you're a different person with a different background. But if you really put yourself in their shoes and lose yourself in their world, you can start seeing why what just happened, the complaint they're making, would make them feel the way that it is. Then you can empathize. So therefore, you always can empathize even if you disagree with what they're feeling. Step three is make changes. So you've, you're receiving this complaint. You want to seek to understand so you, you understand what they're saying. Two, you want to empathize with what they're feeling and why. And then third, you want to make changes. You have to make changes. When your partner is expressing a complaint, the worst thing you can do is judge and dismiss their complaint. And that's what we do all the time. We think that's stupid or that's ridiculous or they're being irrational or that's not important. We, we, think, we, we think all these judgmental thoughts. We sometimes say them out loud. Sometimes we don't, but we judge and dismiss, judge and dismiss, and then we don't do anything. We're passive. And that is the worst thing you can do in response to your partner's complaint. It's just going to add fuel to their fire. They want you to do something about it. They want to see you make changes. They want to see that you care. Your words are not going to hold up. They want to see action. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at making changes. It doesn't mean you're going to become a master at their top need they're complaining about overnight. But the more you lean in, the more you try to understand what they're looking for, and the more you try and get feedback on your effort to see how you can do better, that's going to honor them. They're going to feel like they matter to you. 
So that's step three, make changes. Now, if you're the giver of the complaints, now we're going to go over three steps for you. If you are the giver, so going back to this example of the wife having a top need of emotional closeness and her husband not responding to that need, let's say you're the wife. Now, if you're the wife and you want to make this complaint, here's some recommendations. First recommendation is you have to express your complaint with a soft startup. I cover soft startups in a separate episode, so make sure you look for that one to go over the details, but I'll summarize it here briefly. A soft startup has four pieces. You start with how they've improved. Then you talk about how they may be innocent. Third, you talk about how you may have contributed to the very behavior they've done that has hurt you. And then fourth, you're going to express your tender underbelly. That's what's underneath your anger, such as hurt, sad, lonely, scared. And you're going to express your complaint without using the word you and without saying the word always or never, because those are generalizations and use an accusation. So again, step number one, when you are expressing your complaint, you have to use a soft startup. If you don't use a soft startup and you attack, you're going to get the opposite of what you want. Your partner is going to feel attacked, so they're going to defend or they're going to retreat, one or the other. And you're not in a posture to change when you're feeling like you have to defend yourself. That's the last thing you want to do. So if you want your partner to change and you're making a complaint, it's in your best interest to express it as a soft startup. So again, how have they improved in this area? How may they be innocent where they're not intentionally trying to be hurtful? How may you be contributing? Perhaps this is stirring up a wound from your past or perhaps you have a high value in this area. And then fourth, express your tender underbelly sad, hurt, lonely, scared, etc., without using the word you or always or never. That's a soft startup. The second step, if you are the one making the complaint, is once you've made a soft startup, and perhaps you've made them several times on the same area, and your partner still will not change. They keep dismissing your need, your top need that you're complaining about that's not being met. If that continues to happen, the next step is go see a counselor. Because something's broken. Something is off. And it's hard to know exactly what's going on until you get a third party involved. And ideally, the counselor would be able to listen to the dynamic and help both of you recognize why change is not happening. Perhaps your partner still is feeling attacked. Perhaps you're not doing a soft startup like you thought. Perhaps your partner is misinterpreting what you're looking for. Perhaps your partner has trauma in the area you're wanting more of, and so it's hard for them to move forward. All sorts of things can be going on. But if you are at an impasse and you've expressed your your soft startup and your complaint multiple times and there still is no change, the next step is to see a counselor. And again, ideally, that counselor can help you sift through what's going on and to have a breakthrough so your partner finally can hear what's going on and then ideally make some changes. Now, if that doesn't happen, you try the counseling route. And again, as a side tip, find a counselor you both like and so you're both feeling comfortable with that marriage counselor. And if you are working through this counseling process, I would give it two to three months 
for sure, at least two to three months. Research shows it takes up to six months of marriage counseling before partners really make significant changes and create new normals in their pattern of interaction. So I would give it two to three months all the way up to six months of marriage counseling. If at the end of that time, your partner still is not changing and that complaint that you have is still there because they're still not honoring your request, if that occurs, the next step you may want to consider is separation. Sometimes partners get complacent and they get comfortable and they take you for granted and they think, they'll never leave me. I don't have to change. I don't care what they say. And unfortunately, I've seen that in my practice. I'll be working with a couple. One partner has tried to express their complaint again and again and again. And even though we, we practice soft startups in the counseling room and, and we try to get these breakthroughs, the other partner still won't change. They still don't care. They keep dismissing it. And when I see that pattern over and over and over, my recommendation has been in the past, consider a separation. Because usually what happens in that separation is it gets the person's attention who won't change. And they realize how important this is and how they can't take you for granted anymore. And that if they care about their relationship, they need to care about what you're expressing and what you're talking about. So that's a last resort, but sometimes it's a needed one to finally get their attention. So there you have it. That's the six ways to handle complaints in marriage. As a review, if you are the receiver of the complaint, seek to understand, empathize, then make changes. And if you're the giver of the complaint, express your complaint with a soft startup. If that doesn't work, see a counselor. If seeing a counselor doesn't work, consider a separation. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. For more information on the top six marriage steps recommended for happiness, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your family and friends. And if you believe in my mission to reduce the divorce rate and would like to keep the Marriage Steps podcast on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash marriage steps. Take care.